A good Saturday morning, April 15th. Just looking for a good day, a good morning of seeing what the Spirit of God's going to bring to us. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. I'm just thankful for another day to be able to discuss and talk about the truth of God, uh, to put truth uh, out into the world in the hopes that people will listen to this podcast and evaluate, not automatically agree, because uh, truth really, for you to grasp it and to really know it, uh, you have to discover truth. And even if I explain to you something that's true, you still need to discover it because that's where you will retain the knowledge about it and it will mean something to you. It's just like me going on a vacation and then coming back and showing everybody thousands of pictures that I took on vacation and telling everybody how, how great it was. And most people don't want to hear that. They, they, they don't want to hear and see that. And I've learned that over my life. So what I do is if I come back from vacation, I just wait and if somebody asks how it was then I'll give minimal and if they say well did you take any pictures yes and then you know if they want to see all the pictures or a few pictures or whatever then without being overbearing and trying to uh, force it and that's the whole concept of this podcast is that we're here not to uh, convince anybody we're not here to shove it down your throat. Uh, if it's something you don't want, uh, we're perfectly fine with you. Just don't listen to it. Don't don't pay any attention to it because it's not going to benefit you anyway. Uh, we do it because this is a great opportunity that God has given us to put the truth out and to uh, let people know that there's so much more to faith journey than what has been taught and we live in a world that's full of sin it's been that way uh, from the beginning the only difference is is that before the law was presented sin was not taken into account but once the law was presented the sin had to be taken into account, and therefore, that's why Abraham and all the prophets prior to Messiah had to go 
and wait in those dungeons waiting for Messiah to finish his work so that they could, those that walked in obedience to God, could have freedom. And Sean, we live in a day and age today where we see many, I mean, it's just many, many people claiming a faith in God, regardless of which faith it is. And we came, uh, we grew up in Christianity and came from that, but it's not just limited to Christianity. And sin is a huge aspect for understanding uh, that's necessary. And that's, it's not being pushed. It's not being talked about. Rebuke and discipline uh, is almost null and void where we just, we don't talk about it. So people don't really understand us coming off the last podcast of speaking about the sinner will not inherit the kingdom of God. And mother just wanted us to do a continuation this morning to uh, put out there, you know, so people can look into and recognize and understand what sin is, what being a sinner is, and what true repentance to God is. And so, uh, because we live in a world right now where many people claiming faith in God and they're, they're claiming a righteousness, by them claiming faith in Messiah, they claim a righteousness, but they still sin and they profess that they sin. And so what kind of message does that send to just people who haven't had any kind of uh, exposure to God or they've chosen not to have that exposure, you know, what does it say to them when you're trying to talk to them about sin and how you need to have the repentance of sin and you need it to be uh, dealt with, but yet you yourself can't deal with it. And, you know, all of what we say, we're not taking shots at other religions and Christianity. We're really just putting out truth so that those that want to know the truth of God, those that are willing to do whatever it takes, even if they, even if it takes you 5, 10, 15, 20 extra years than what you've already put in, that you want to know the truth uh, regardless so that you'll have salvation. And if you see God with all of your heart, you will find God and you will find the true path to salvation. And so it, it is really um, important in this day and age because you see, I mean, you see these, uh, you know, you see uh, actors and um, musicians and all that running around with crosses hanging on their neck and uh, putting out this uh, perception that, you uh, that they have this faith and, but they live in sin and it's just a, the the cross is just a piece of metal or a piece of wood formulated by man, which we were told don't make idols out of uh, things in the world. Don't, don't idolize people, but yet we have it. I mean, even to the point of 
uh, American idol, you know, that, that we embrace and are okay with a show being called American Idol because we're trying to bring the next person that's going to be worshipped by people for what purpose? For a godly purpose? No. For the root of all evil, which is the love of money. Not money itself, but it's the love of money. And that's why people pursue, a lot of times, they pursue that because they're going to get, quote-unquote, rich and famous. And the sad reality is, is when they get rich and famous, people think that that's just the greatest thing and a great place to be. And no, now they're in the limelight. They, they're, they've got the paparazzi all over the place. They can't go anywhere without somebody snapping a photo or uh, bothering them for an autograph. And it's like, people, these are human beings just like you. Leave them alone. But they chose to go into that profession, and therefore they put themselves in the limelight. What they do with it is up to them. And I'm not saying somebody can't do that and still have and have a faith in God, but to be in that industry, or in most of them, and have a faith in God, it would be very, 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 very difficult to be able to do. And so just a really, it's important as we get into this, that people learn and understand what sin is, what being a sinner is, and what repentance is. Sean, you have any words this morning right now? Yeah, good day to you, Phil. Oh, yeah. there. That's the thing with our, we've been doing this, gosh, from me and you, what, almost 20 years? So, I mean, we're, there's not a lack of words, but um, I'm, I'm taking, I'm going to start by my speaking just with, the Socratic method, which the Socratic method is such a huge help when applied because instead of a lecture that it brings opportunity for you to self-evaluate, you know, like you have with questions, then you have to give an answer to them. If somebody just lectures you, then you're just taking in information and, and you may have questions in your mind, but from where we came from being in a, an open, like a big building, um, a worldly church that when is there opportunity to actually ask questions to where asking the questions is embraced? Not that you don't like, you may have your, we had Sunday school, but even with Sunday school, it was more of a discussion and somebody gives out a lesson and says, you know, this story in the Bible, that story in the Bible, but when was there ever, and just thinking in my mind where you just had a, you just ask questions and you really dig into things and why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we meeting at this certain time every week? And on this other day, why are we having a sermon? Why are we having the way that we do the worship service? You know, why is that? And not necessarily that you ask the questions to change everything, but just ask questions on why are we doing this? Is this really what the Bible says, because where we came from, like you said, that we're not bashing Christianity. We're just bringing out that there's more information 
there's just some missing pieces. And that's really where we came from that we were questioning is there's, there's more to this. There's just more than just sitting, listening to somebody lecture you and taking in information, you know, where's the accountability to really, you know, how do we like just recently, how do you know that you know that you know, well, the reason that you have that, how do you know that you know that you know is because there's doubt and there's not a solid understanding. And even without the understanding, how can you teach something to somebody else if you don't have an understanding of it yourself? And what Yah is teaching us is the understanding is through the knowing, which is the experience. And if you haven't experienced what it's like of, like you're saying, like, what is sin? What is repent? What is repentance? If you don't have a truth understanding of it, then you're just going to go through whatever somebody has taught you, no matter what the Bible would say about it. You're just going to assume that, well, for example, well, repent means that you feel sorry for your sin. All right, well, if that's the way that you were taught and you haven't asked any more questions, then every time you hear repent, you'll say, oh, well, yeah, I repented. I felt sorry for my sin. And you would just go on about it. You wouldn't, you know, be like, oh my gosh, I'm wrong. Or you would just say, yeah, you know, I understand what repent is. Well, that's the thing. That's the point of asking these questions. The Socratic method is it's the questions are for you to evaluate yourself so that you can be convinced, meaning that you can know for yourself what the truth is. Then when you know what it is, then you can best help somebody else through questions so that they can discover, because this is a, a huge thing even Mother brought out at the beginning, that so you discover yourself what it is. Like when you, like I can tell you that, man, these Twinkies are just great. I mean, you just really need to taste them. And you can sit there and say, oh yeah, they taste good, but well, but have you actually experienced it? Well, you taste it, then you taste it and you discover, oh, it does taste good. Okay, I want that. You know, I'm going to go after it. And same thing with the the things of Yah is that you've got to come to a point where you taste that the Lord is good, and then you have to acquire a taste for the things of Yah. And just like we were talking about desire recently, that desire is something that's built. It's something you, you acquire a taste for. It's not just an overnight, you just desire something. It's got to be worked on and built and put into place through repetition of really longing for something until you can ultimately desire it. But I'm um, continuing on what we talked about before about what a sinner is and that no, but because the truth is, is that no sinner will inherit the kingdom of Yah. But the key of this, and I'm seeing that why mother is wanting us to elaborate on this is because people can hear things. And because of the programming and the brainwashing and mind control that your mind will latch on to something, say, well, isn't there a contradiction here? Is there a contradiction here? Well, in the truth of God, there are no contradictions. If somebody, if we perceive that there's a contradiction, then we're the one that's wrong. It's not God. It's, we need to find out, okay, there are no contradictions in the word of God. Now the Bible, we may see a translation error, you know, so we'll ask you you know, to clarify this so we can understand what's there. But this is good because this gives us an opportunity to explain the gospel message in detail because you had mentioned, you know, you had even said, what is sin? Well, sin is disobedience. And 
what came to mind was y'all actually gave us an example of this um, when we were meeting at my house for a while. And I have a music background, so they gave me this example of I had a music stand. And if you can picture this, those listening that imagine you have a music stand in front of you and you've got a you've got two books of music. You've got one book that says sin and you've got the other book that's righteousness. And the point is, is that you're either you can either play. The ultimate goal is to play out of if you have faith in God is to play, open up and play, practice righteousness as opposed to practicing sin. And the point given to me or to us was, is that if we're talking about sin, which is of the heart, which is um, of the lower conscience, is sin as a direction, just as righteousness is a direction. So if you see yourself, and you could look at this from a looking at the two books, you've got a crossroads, you've got one direction, that's pointing kind of like those old movies. I don't know if you've seen like kind of the wizard of Oz or something, you have those signs that are pointing or mash where those signs are pointing one direction or the other. And one direction says sin and the other direction says righteousness. And the ultimate point is, is that choose the path that you're going to go. You either choose, there's either one or two paths. There's the broad gate, the, the broad road, which is sin. And you have the narrow road, which is righteousness. And you've got to decide which road you're going to travel. And when you are at those crossroads that you have an opportunity either to walk one or the other. And the word repent is to make a turn. So you either turn and decide to go in one direction or the other. And once you walk in that direction, that's referred to as repentance. So when we talk about repent and repentance, it's not just towards God. You can walk in repentance towards the enemy of God. And that's the point of the part of the gospel messages is repent, make a full turn in the direction of Yah and turn away completely from the old way of wickedness, which is sin and walk in the direction of God, walk in repentance towards God, which means that you've made a, which this is the truth of God is in a circular perspective. So this is a full 360 degree turn away from wickedness and to God and you making a decision, a one-time decision to turn to God and walk in that direction and then your repentance is you walking in the direction of God and making a commitment to never leave that. And it's not just walking in the direction of God, but it's also, as the word says, is to prove your repentance by your deeds, that you turn and walk in Yah's direction, that you mean that you're agreeing with God, whatever they say, whatever their truth is you agree with 100%, and that you're going to figure out how to walk in their ways and turn from yours. And it's a full commitment for the rest of your life to go in that direction. And what happens is, is that people think that, well, it's okay to continue to sin walking in the direction of righteousness. And the, the problem is, and we got into this last time is that you turn away from your sin 
and walk in repentance towards God, you're still going to sin until you have circumcision of the heart. But what happens is, is that Yah knows that, and that's why when they put this into place, they knew that until Mother did her work for circumcision of the heart, that you can walk in the direction of God, and the only thing that you can do is in your mind that you can long for it to walk in Yah's ways and do what is right. But they understand that you're not able to carry that out until you have your heart circumcised, meaning your lower conscience mother does that work. And that's why Yah Abba will forgive you your sins because they see the commitment for you turning away from the direction of sin. And because of that, and they see that you're producing fruit in that, that, that they're willing to credit you with righteousness because you're proving that you agree with God in your mind by you changing your conduct. Because repentance does no good if you don't change your conduct. You can turn to God and then not change your conduct. And well, that's not repentance because repentance means that you agree with my truth and you're changing yourself to line up with that truth. So y'all will watch and see if you're going to prove your repentance by your deeds. And as you walk in that direction, that they still know that you have sin, but you've turned away from that and you're turning to God. And that's why there's forgiveness of sins. But that forgiveness of sins is not meant to just stay at forgiveness of sins because the word says that godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. So it's a starting point of the journey until you get to Messiah where you learn what true obedience is, which is the spirit of the law. And you walk in that. And then after being tested in that, that because if you don't have repentance towards Abba, you will not be brought to the Son. And then ultimately, you get to the point where you have sin removed from your heart and placed in the body of flesh where you don't sin anymore. And then you can walk in really what Yah intended was to walk with them <clears throat> without sin. And that's ultimately what, what Yah is getting at is that a sinner is just like a winner. That if you're a winner, that means you win consistently over and over and over. So a sinner is somebody that doesn't have the mindset of repentance towards God. It's walking in, in sin means if you're a sinner, it means that you're not walking, you're not walking in the direction of God and walking in towards righteousness. You're staying in that sin. And the thing is, is that it, it's, you still will sin until circumcision of the heart, but it's the point is to turn away from the direction so that you are no longer a sinner, meaning you no longer walk in that continual sin of disobedience and you're okay with it and you just keep walking in it and walking in it. No, get away from being a sinner, even though you still sin, but that does transform into uh, where you walk without sin. So, a lot of the misunderstanding may come into, well, so you're saying that you've never sinned. No, because the word of God says, if we say that we have not sinned, then we call God a liar. So all of us have sinned, meaning that we've, we've sinned against God and we've fallen short. But the point is get on the path of righteousness where you leave your life of sin, where that transforms so that you don't stay in the direction of disobedience. And, and that's ultimately what the word is saying is that if you continue in the path of disobedience, like if you, and it just gave examples like a thief or a homosexual or a murderer, um, you know, 
sexual and moral stuff like that, that if you stay in that direction and you don't turn from that and walk in repentance towards God, then you will end up in the abyss. So you will not inherit the kingdom of God walking in that direction without turning to God and getting away from that direction. So a lot of this is just clarification, but understanding that repent is not feeling sorry for something. Repent is a turn. It's a change of direction. But that godly sorrow is what gets you to make that turn because you have sorrow for sin against Yah, and therefore you have godly sorrow because you've wronged God, you've disobeyed their commands, you've wronged them, so you make a decision that you're going to turn from that and walk in the direction of God, and then Yah will turn towards you and help you in the journey of getting away from sin and all of this information that's just coming out of my mouth, mother is just giving, is just flowing. But it's so important because if you don't understand that sin has to do with the heart, sin ha- doesn't have to do with an action because the action is going to follow whatever the um, nature is. So sin always has its nature in the heart. So as long as the heart has the nature of sin, that you're going to continue to sin no matter if you long to get away from it. And that's the point of you can, all you can do is circumcise your heart, which is your mind. All you can do is set your mind that you're going to walk in the righteousness of God. Even though you're not able to carry it out, you still make an attempt and attempts to walk in the truth of God. And Yah knows that sin is still in the heart. And that's why they're okay with forgiveness of sins for a time, because they see that you agree with them and you agree that this is wrong and you, you don't desire to do it you don't long to do it anymore. And I'll credit you with righteousness because I I can see that you, you really mean this, but there's going to come a day when that debt has got to be paid. And that's my son. Yeshua is going to come to where he's going to take on your debt that you can't pay and take away the debt. And I will now debit you with righteousness by circumcision of the heart that now you are righteous. You are able to be holy as I am holy. And people listening, you must find a place where you turn from sin. And even though you still sin, you're walking away from it. You leave the life of sin. And that's why Messiah told the woman caught in adultery, which the woman caught in adultery isn't just her. The woman caught in adultery is all those that have the sin nature that you realize that you've been caught, that you're you're the woman caught in adultery. And he says to her, just like he says to us, go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. Because if you don't, and you don't get away from sin, when you ultimately face me on the judgment, I'm not going to let you in the kingdom of God because you're a sinner. And and what does Yeshua tell them? Get away from me, you who practiced lawlessness. You practiced disobedience to God. You walked in the direction of sin. You didn't turn from sin and find me so that I could bring about circumcision of the heart. So you were lawless because the word says that sin is lawlessness. So this is, look at this as a journey that you go on. And just like the, the famous song from Led Zeppelin in the 70s, Stairway to Heaven, there's always time to change the road that you're on. And that's true until you die, which your road is set. But there is There must be a recognition of what sin is, which is disobedience to God, and there must be a recognition that you must turn to God 360, 100%, and you must pursue God and pursue righteousness 
and get away from wickedness because if you don't, you're going to be in that long line of people thinking that you did all these deeds that showed that you were righteous. And the one thing that you didn't understand, which was getting away from sin, Messiah will plainly tell people that this is the truth of it. You didn't, if you really knew me and you experienced me, then you would want nothing to do with sin anymore and you would get away from it and not even have, I think it's in Jude where it says that, you know, snatch people from the fire you know, don't even associate, don't even be to where there's even a stench of sin or wickedness or anything. Get away from all that stuff. So that's, those are the things coming to mind that, that we weren't taught this. You know, I just, when I was growing up with sin just means you did something wrong and you feel bad about it. And then, well, there's nothing you can do and you got Jesus. So everything's fine. And this is a huge deal because the, the ways of God is Yah does not sin. Yah is perfect. Yah is righteous. And if you want to have a relationship in the fullness of what God wants, you must depart from sin and figure out how to do that and get away from it. And just one place of clarification with the aspect of repenting towards God or turning towards God. God is black and white. They've laid everything out from that perspective. Um, we live in a world where people want to make it all gray and well, there's some middle ground and, and God does not operate that way. God, in order for them to be a God of order, they must operate from a black and white perspective. And if they say it, they expect it. And in essence, you, you can't, if you don't turn to God in repentance, then you can't turn to God. I don't, it doesn't matter how you turn it's an aspect of you may do what they call returning in or turning to God in pretense. Uh, repent, you repented in pretense. Well, that's not a repentance towards God. That's just I'm trying to give the uh, ideal perception that I've turned to God, but I really haven't turn to God. And it is a black and white perspective. You, you cannot turn to God in repentance. Now you can start looking their direction, but that turn of repentance is an absolute. The, the intention is it's an absolute. It's not a wavered back and forth. And another importance of why we want to do this podcast and talking about these things is, okay, you always hear about, there's, well, not always, but there's a lot of times when, you know, somebody finds a little more truth than what they knew before. And then they start with the, you know, well, such and such is a false teacher and such and such is a false teacher. And we got all these false teachers that are out there. And that's true. And that, and that Messiah spoke about the false teachers and uh, Messiah, I mean, uh, Paul and the other apostles spoke about false teachers, which is true. And you should definitely be on guard for false teachers. But honestly, when was the last time you heard somebody talk about the false followers. Let's talk about the false followers. So people, we don't talk about it. So people think that they're, that 
all the responsibility and blame is going to be on the people that are teaching them. And the reality of God is that, no, you will be responsible for what you accepted and what you agreed with. And if it doesn't line up with God, it doesn't matter who told you, will that person have to answer for it? Certainly. Just like we know, you and I sitting here are going to have to answer if we misspeak something of God, we will have to answer for it. And what's interesting is uh, if that happens, and it's happened in the past, uh, we found out sooner than later and had that correction while we were living and breathing, which is great because it gives us a great opportunity to advance and grow and uh, continue to learn. But this is really important for people stop being a false follower of God because you're following the false teachings of man. You know, follow the teachings of the Bible and what the Bible says about it, not what man says about it. And that's why you have to get into digging into the word and having the conversations with God uh, in order for them to clarify to you. And you, it's interesting because you made a comment about I uh, taste that the Lord is good which is true. But in order for you to taste the Lord's being good, you have to taste it when it doesn't taste so good, when it doesn't feel good, when it makes you feel convicted and convinced of you being a sinner. You have to continue to taste until you acquire a taste that says, oh, now I like this. Now I see that the Lord is good, the Lord is worthy, the Lord is righteous, and I accept that, and I'm going to continue to eat that, uh, because it is uh, the things of God, especially in this world, are an acquired taste, and they're in a, they're, uh, people aren't seeing it because they're let to think that well, repentance is, well, you say you're sorry and uh, you tell God that uh, come into my heart and take over my heart. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Repentance is, like you said earlier, it's a turn. It's a turn in God's direction or any direction because We've talked about this before. You live your life in this world in repentance, but not necessarily to God. You know, you have a vehicle you've been driving, and you turn to, well, this one's getting old, and uh, I want to get this other one. And so you turn away from the vehicle you have, and you, you get another one. And... In the midst of it, sometimes you'll you'll well let me let me see these vehicles. Let me try them out. Let me see what are you doing? You're acquiring a taste for that vehicle. Do I like it? Does it you know? Because I, I remember taking my son out uh, when he was 19, looking to buy a car, and I was thinking my thoughts were well economical. You know, you don't have a uh, high paying job right now. And, 
you know, you probably ought to buy something economical. Um, but that's not what his taste was. I mean, you know, I had him test drive a, uh, was it a, uh, the Versa, the, I think that's Nissan, the Nissan Versa. And, uh, we're driving down the interstate and the little old lady on her 10 speed bike is riding past us. And <laughs> that's a little exaggeration, but it, it just doesn't have, they get up in the zip and they, and what's interesting and people do it in this world is when he saw what he wanted, his eyes didn't touch uh, or didn't look at another vehicle and he didn't even, he didn't want to drive any other vehicle. His eyes locked on the Mazda three and cause it's a little bit, you know, sporty looking car and that's the one he wanted to drive. And as soon as he drove it, that was it. Well, unfortunately people do that with faith, but now, you know, years later, um, he bought himself a truck. So he's repented from the Mazda three. He's selling that to his sister, but he repented from the Mazda three to a pickup truck. And so when we talk about repentance, you know how to repent. But the problem is, is that in this world and in this world, from a worldly perspective, it's okay for you to, if you, turn to something and realize that you don't like it and turn away from it. Uh, because that's also important with things of God. If you turn to a church and you see that the church isn't lining up with the truth of God, then repent again, turn away from it. The objective goal of repentance to God is that it's a one-time thing and it's intended to stick. And that's why, Messiah said, weigh the cost, weigh the cost of what this sin, I mean, what this uh, life of righteousness in God is going to cost you. So it's just, it's huge because people don't think about that you're going to be held accountable to what you listened to and what you accepted all along thinking that well, it's the teachers that are going to be uh, the ones that have to answer. Yeah. Yes, they have to answer. And it's going to be a sad day for many teachers because they're teaching falsely. But that long line of people that Messiah spoke to uh, when he spoke about, you know, many will come to me and say, didn't I do these things in your name and get away from me, you who practice lawlessness. Those are people who were false followers because they didn't make sure that what they were listening to was right and true and came from God. It's, and that puts you in a place because you're taught to repent in pretense and repenting in pretense is just you re, you pretending that you're going to do it. And so when we look at repentance, like you'll hear it. People say, well, when you sin, you got to repent. So I committed this sin and I repented. 
to God. And then, well, I committed another sin and I repented to God. And then I committed another sin and I repented to God. And in all of that, you just made a profession that you repented of it, but you didn't. And repentance is not intended for a singular basis with God, it, meaning that, well, I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent. No, repentance is intended for a, you are not repenting of sin by sin by sin. You're repenting, your repentant is all of sin. I am not sinning anymore. I'm not walking in that direction. And therefore, I'm not going to sin. And so when I walk in God's direction, when I'm living the righteous life that God has given, when I'm in the light, as Messiah is in the light, and I'm living in the light, I'm not walking around in darkness waiting for uh, the light to come. No, I'm, I'm walking in the light. And so you have to recognize that a repentance towards God is, re is intended as a one-time thing. And then, meaning the repent is a one-time thing. The turn towards God is intended for that. And then the repentance is just you perpetually walking in that direction, just walking towards God. And when you do, then you will find a place where your sins are forgiven, and then you will find a place where you don't sin, and then you will find that as your life goes on, you continue to increase and improve and get better not better at hiding your sin, but better at not doing those things because you don't agree with it and you've turned away from those things. It's like if I start in, uh, let's say, Iowa, can I go to California and Virginia at the same time? I would say no. Right. It's an impossibility. You can't split. Now, if you have two people, one could go that direction and one could go the other. But there's an aspect of a, if, if I am going towards Virginia and I decide, no, I want to go to California. Well, I have to turn and I have to start walking or driving in that direction. I can't just sit there and, you know, well, I'm going to I'm going to California, and then you take five. No, I'm going to Virginia, and you take five and five steps that way. No, I'm going. No, I'm going back to California. Well, I want to go to California, but why am I closer to Virginia? I'm in the middle of. I started in the middle of the state, but I'm closer to Virginia than I am California because of all the times that I repented of each individual thing of, wow, I'm going to California. But then I turn, I go five steps towards California and turn around and walk 10 steps towards Virginia. And somehow I can't understand why or how 
I'm not getting to California. Well, it's because I haven't repented. I repented in pretense. I, it's a bouncing back and forth. It's, it's being tossed back and forth. And the objective of repentance uh, for clarity is that when you repent of sin, that's a repentance of all sin. Not, not I repent, I, did, I committed this sin, so I repent of that. No, that's not repentance to God for the forgiveness of sins. The, the repentance to God is, I am never going to sin again. That's my conscious mind, I say, and I'm going to do whatever it takes, however long it takes, to walk in obedience to the truth of God, no matter what. That, and I will never turn away from that direction. And then, as... I walk in that direction, then I continually get closer and closer to God. Because again, this whole repentance thing is what God's talking about. It's another aspect of what God was talking about, about draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That if you repent to God, then they repent to you. But if you repent to God in pretense, they'll repent to you in pretense. Because how you draw near to God is the way that they will draw near to you. So make sure you're drawing near to them in a way that you want them to be with you. Do you want them to be there as a partial part of your life, or do you want them to be all of your life? Well, unfortunately, people have been taught that it's okay to have God as a partial and not a complete aspect. And so I, I perpetually live in this life of, well, I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent. And in that, you've done no repenting at all because you're continually, you, you're not going to be able to get away from that sin anyway because you haven't completely turned away from sin, period. So it's just really important that uh, from a repentance perspective that people understand that God intends it to be an absolute turn. And in the way that you turn to God, they will turn to you. This uh, like when you started out, you know, didn't know where where mother was going to go. But this just just in my mind just brought more clarity to giving further detailed explanation of the gospel message. And it it just another click in my mind when you said, with Yah being the black and white, that it's absolute. That the a true repentance means that it's a a resolve in the mind of getting away and never sinning again. And that makes sense because that's what sets you up to go to Yeshua. Because what does he tell the false follower? Well, I thought I did all these things in your name. Didn't I cast out demons? Because that's what was taught to me. But he goes back to the sin and repentance again, get away from me. You who practiced, lawlessness. So what Abba does is when he sees the full commitment to not sinning again, even though you're not capable of doing that, but it's in your mind that you circumcise your heart, that I'm never doing this again. I don't care if it keeps coming up. It never gets better. Nothing. I'm never okay with this. I'm never sinning again. And you're tested and tried in that. It makes sense because he will bring that person to Yeshua because I see the commitment in the mind to not sinning again. And then 
Now I'll show you what it is to live a life of obedience to God because you've, you've proven that you don't desire to do sin anymore, which you can't at that point, you can just long for, you can't desire that until it's in the heart you can, but it just makes sense because then when you're proven in that by fire, that you're even willing to give your very life to get away from sin that's when Yah will step in and take sin out of your heart because you've proven even to give your very life up for getting away from sin because it says in the word that the one that has suffered in the body has ceased from sin. What that's talking about is that doesn't mean that all oh, you see I'm suffering. That means I don't sin. No, it means you have suffered to the point of shedding your blood. You've suffered to the point of giving yourself as a living sacrifice to God because that's the only thing I have to give to get away. That's the the very best I can give is my whole life because I despise sin so much that I'm willing to give my life for it, just like Yeshua. Then you'll be debited with righteousness. And what is so wonderful about this, what Yah is giving us, is, is that what we're speaking of lines up with the Word of God and is absolutely true because in the Word of God, we have in the Old Testament that the Israelites left Egypt. And the point was, is don't go back to Egypt. When you leave Egypt, you leave your life of sin, which, which Egypt is the picture of that life of sin, leave Egypt, leave the old way, but you're going to have to come out in the desert because it, it's just, and I brought up this movie a couple of times. One of my favorite movies, the Shawshank Redemption, that once you get to the point where you're in Yeshua, you have circumcision of the heart that you're released from sin. So you're released from prison, but you still have prison in you and the lower conscience that's got to be dealt with because when Morgan Freeman and the other guy Brooks were released, he even said, I'm an institutionalized man. And it's a hard time getting out because I've been set free from this. But what do I do now that I'm on the outside that I've been so programmed here on the inside. And that's the thing is that you've got the programming of sin that's in your lower conscience. But when sin is taken out, it's just, I look at this like an oil spill that the oil spill has stopped, but you still have all that spilled oil that you've got to clean up and replace, you know, get the water in there to get it cleaned out. And so you leave your life of sin in your mind and you get on a journey to where Yah says, okay, well, but the goal of this is to completely remove sin. And why is that? Because you cannot enter the kingdom of God with sin because the kingdom of God is pure and holy and righteous and sin cannot dwell in the kingdom of heaven. So therefore, what sense would it make for God to be okay with you? Like you said, sin, repent, sin, repent. No, because that, that just tells me that you're still sinning. It doesn't tell me anything that Messiah's work was to take care of the sins of the people and it was to eradicate, it was to remove sin so that you could be in the kingdom because at the entrance to the kingdom, you're not, nobody is getting in here. If you have any sin, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's why all the detail about this. And I, I thought it was a great, um, point that mother made. I never even thought of that, the term false follower that, you know, you can be a false follower. You can be a true follower, you know, because it's referred to Messiah's followers were disciples. So you're a disciple of the truth. You're a 
a righteous follower as opposed to a true follower uh, versus the false. But the, and we came from this and if you, the, the word of God makes it clear. I mean, Yeshua, what, what happened with John the Baptist? What was John the Baptist's role? It says that like one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Well, the way for the Lord, the preparation for the way of Yeshua is repentance. And that was set in place by Abba that you must find repentance towards Abba first, which means a complete turn from all sin so that you can have your sins forgiven so that that prepares the way for the son to come and for you, for Abba to say, okay, now you're going to come to my son because if I bring you to my son without you setting your mind to where you're not going to sin, then you're, you're going to disregard everything he says because he's going to tell you, you know, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Well, you know, the commands, you know, follow those. Well, I'm not able to keep the commands. I, I've repented towards God and I just, I'm not able to, cause I keep failing. All right, we'll go and sell everything you have, you know, because if you obeyed the commands of my father, then you'd obey my commands and you didn't do it, which shows you don't have repentance because if you did, you came to me and asked me what it, what must I do to be saved? But then you don't do it. Well, where's the repentance in that? There isn't. It's just like if somebody disagrees with hell, you can't be walking in repentance because you're repenting to God says not only says I'm turning from sin completely, but Yah, whatever you say and you do is absolutely true. I agree with it 100%. And that's what I'm going to walk in. That's what I'm going to follow. So if you say that, well, hell doesn't exist, I don't agree with it. How can that be a repentance towards God? If you, well, what do you mean you don't agree with it? You know, it's either, like you said, it's the black and white, it's all or nothing. So I got a question for you, Sean. This just, came to mind okay what is it that makes god holy let's see what is it that makes god holy well they are well what's coming to mind is holy is set apart which means that they don't they don't sin that they're clean true righteous so Yah even says to be holy as I am holy. Well, there is no sin in God. So it makes no sense that he would say to be holy as I'm holy if you weren't capable of being holy. So which means what that means is Yah is without sin. Yah is, is clean and pure. So be like me. And my son has been sent so that you can, like in the term in the world, be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Well, our mantra should be like Yeshua. I want to be like Yeshua. And then then you are able to, wow. So that's even a, um, I didn't even think about that. That's a prophetic message for the new covenant is be holy as I'm holy that, and people say, well, how can we be holy? Well, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. To answer your question, how is God, how is they holy that they're without sin? Right. And that's the exact perspective of the truth is that that's what makes them holy because they are perfected they are perfect uh and they are holy and then god does not give us impossible tasks now we will have tasks that come from the truth of god that we may not want to pursue but that's on us it, it anything uh god sends your direction you have the capability of fulfilling it 
It's just that whether you choose to do that or not. And that was the whole point was why would God say, be holy as I am holy, if it were not a possibility for us to be holy as they are holy? And so it just goes along with just paying attention to what God says. How could we, from the New Testament perspective of what it says, to be in the world, but not of the world? What does that mean? Well, it means the same thing. The, the of the world is being of sin. Being in the world means you're in this world that is full of sin, but you're not of the world because you're holy like God is holy. And again, you can be holy in the presence of God. The, uh, even Colossians, you know, that when you have the fullness of faith, that you have the fullness of deity in bodily form, which means you are holy, you are set apart. What sets you apart? If, if, if in faith you claim that you're set apart, but you still sin, then what exactly are you set apart? What, what, what is the uh, determination of what you're being set apart from? That it's sin. Sin is the problem. Sin has always been the problem. And in this day and age, the problem is, is people don't recognize that you can and will be holy as God is holy. You will be able to be in the world, but not of the world, because the world will practice lawlessness. We will practice righteousness. And that's a continual fact. And it's not a self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from God. But those who have the righteousness will live by these things. They will do what the, what the law says. Now, we understand that there's an aspect of the law that there's a transformation that's made when you have circumcision of the heart. So we have the ability to fulfill the spiritual understanding of the law, law, not the written code. But we had to walk in the written code before, because again, like Messiah told the disciples, if I speak to you of heavenly things, you will not understand. Or if I speak to you of earthly things and you don't understand, how can you understand heavenly things? And of course, that's what the parables were for. And that's what the Old Testament, that's what the law of God was for. Understand the concepts and the fact that when you disobey this law, it brings death to the body so that you can understand the spiritual perspective of, okay, what is this, what is this law spiritually when it talks about washing your hands before eating? Because they were trying to get Messiah on that aspect when they didn't wash his hands or the disciples didn't wash their hands. And they tried to get him about the, uh, the Sabbath day. And he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You're going by the letter of the law, which you must do until you follow Messiah. I have this scripture come to mind where, and it makes sense with this too, is i um, ask you a question. I know you'll be able to answer. Did Yeshua sin? No. 
and obviously because we've been given revelation well we know because he would if he did then we would have no hope we, we would have no way to be saved and he says take heart you will have trouble in this world but take heart i have overcome the world when he made his decision to obey god that he overcame the world because the overcoming is the direction of i am not sinning i'm obeying my parents well you walk in that and that's the thing is you turn to god that that's how we're able to overcome the world is to have sin removed from from us that because in the world yeah the world is all about the world isn't about not sinning because if it is then we would be embracing the world but we're in this world but this world is full of sin but we're not of the world and and that's the thing if yeshua sinned and that's what the enemy was attempting to do if i can get him to sin then therefore his sacrifice is tainted and then therefore it wouldn't matter what happens because if that blood was tainted that just came to mind that that was why mother drove yeshua into the desert was to show his overcome his mindset of obedience to god that you're going to go through this as well but you can overcome this temptation as well which he wasn't actually tempted he was taken out to be proven that he wasn't able to be tempted because of his mindset of obedience to god so the enemy if i could just get him to do this and he disobeys god then i've got him because he's in a body of flesh and there's sin so therefore your work is done and i remember this scripture where paul said that in paul's teaching which he got this by revelation from yeshua that i taught that they should repent to god and prove their repentance by their deeds and that's the point is that prove to god with your conduct that you've turned away from sin which means when something comes when you sin no i'm not doing that i'm not in agreement with and i'm not doing it again well that that shows you that you have a, a mindset that you're getting away from and that's repentance so the sign of repentance is when something comes up no i'm not doing that again i don't agree with it no i'm not doing that well that proves that's your deeds that's what you can do you fight against it and that shows god that okay you're really serious about this you don't god doesn't say well you're going to go through this for a week and it's over with you don't know how long it is all you do is you just go with what's in front of you and then all of a sudden all right i'm going to lead you to my son i'm going to he's going to show you what the true aspect of holiness is which this whole thing has always been about obedience and repentance it hasn't been about perfection because you're not capable of being perfect perfected in this life that that's that's when you enter the kingdom that's when you have the seal of, of my spirit that you get the new body then you're perfected then we're talking about immortality but up to that point all you can do is walk in repentance and obedience to god and that's the the message of the whole bible is you know turn away from sin walk in in yah's ways and i had this thought come to mind from when we met recently that just like where there's misunderstandings because of false teachers and false followers people take the words of god in the bible and they don't understand it through mother the interpreter that they lean on their own understanding because i had this scripture come to mind with this is that people will hang on to this because the word says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature well we got to go out and get people saved we got to go out and just tell people what they're doing wrong and they got to get saved and what Yeshua was saying was, is yes, you're going to go out and speak to people, but go out and preach, live the gospel, live this life to all people. 
so that just like me, that they will be attracted to what you're doing. And yes, you will speak to people. I'm not saying that he didn't, you don't go out and you profess truth, but Noah was considered a preacher of righteousness, meaning that his conduct, his holy conduct was preaching, was showing the people the good conduct. That's why Yeshua was looked at as one that had authority because he wasn't being a hypocrite. He was walking and preaching the truth of God by his actions, by his conduct. And that's what we're called to. We're called to not only say what we're saying, but live this as we're saying it, because if we're not living this, which we are, if we're not living this, then we have no business speaking it. And that's why be careful what we talk about and what we teach, because you're going to be held accountable for what you teach. And if you are teaching people to do certain things and you're not doing them, then you're not being a good teacher. You're being a hypocrite. So these things that we are speaking, we are experiencing and have experienced, and we know it. We know this is true because we've experienced it. And with the people listening that you can only, all you can do is take this and take it in and meditate on it and ask God about it and seek it with all your heart because you'll discover the same truth that we discovered if you if you seek this out, you know, because if you just take this in and you don't really evaluate it and and roll it and stuff like that, you're just going to go back to your programming to say, well, well, I repented. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've done that. You know, I've already done that. Well, but but remember that repentance is never ending. You get to circumcision of the heart. Repentance doesn't end. Re- repentance keeps continuing on. Obedience continues on. Trust continues on. Because like you said, with California and Virginia, once you start to California, just like with faith that you just keep going to California, you keep going in God's direction. You don't turn and go back the other direction. It's a, it's a circular mindset that repentance is circular, that you just, you keep walking in it. Y'all bring something to your attention. All right. Well, I agree with that. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Repentance. You know, if you reject something of God, then, well, wait a minute, you're walking in repentance that we're fair and just. Why are you rejecting this? There's a problem. So it just came to mind that with this, this is still for each person to discover this with the help of Yah, because just by us saying this, it may make sense. And you may look at it and say, man, that makes perfect sense. But for you to grasp it and understand it, there must be a seeking with all the heart for <laughs> Yah to open up your mind, to be able to understand and actually do these things. Well, I mean, we have clues that are in the word that tell you that you're able to live in this life without sin. Uh, Messiah, who anyone who claims to have faith in him, they must understand that he didn't sin. So the word says, the word of God says, he came to be like his brothers and sisters in every way. He came to be us in humankind in every way. Why? So we could relate to him. So if he had a place where he did not sin, then we can find that place where we do not sin. In order to do that, we have to follow the perfect sacrifice, which was Messiah. We have to live his life. We have to eat of his flesh. We have to drink of his blood. We have to be crucified uh, in our uh, selfishness. We have to be crucified to where we turn our life completely over to God. And then Colossians, where it says that in him, you have the fullness of deity and bodily form. 
does is there any sin in deity? You know, does God sin at all? Right. And you you got that look on your face like, well, that's crazy. Well, yeah, I cannot. That that's the thing, but because they're perfect, but again, how could you dwell with them if you're sinning? You couldn't. That that would be well, it's false. We know that, but go ahead. Right. And so the 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 Bible, the Word of God, claims that you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. So you don't sin. You you're not capable of sinning. There's a a huge aspect that that just gets set aside, and this is the removal of sin, and this is why. It's a huge hypocrisy for somebody who's has sin in their life to try to turn people to God where sin the the Bible's clear that sin is supposed to be taken away, but you're you're still sinning. You you're living as a hypocrite because you're professing that you have faith in God. And you're telling me I'm a sinner and I need to have faith in God for escape of that, but you haven't escaped it yourself. Therefore, means nothing to me. Your lies are just lies of hypocrisy that you want to feel like you have what you think you have, but you don't. And it, it, it is a sad reality because it's the false listeners, because as somebody will be held accountable for what they teach. You will be accountable for what you uh, listen to and adhere to without weighing it against the truth of God and saying, wait a minute, the Bible says something different. And so I'm going to go question this person who went to seminary in this world. And I'm going to ask them, why do you say this when the Bible says this? Why do you profess that you sin and that we all sin when the Bible says in him there is no sin. And so there, there's, and then in order for them to answer, they'd have to constrive uh, crazy stories. Well, Messiah, he, when he died on the cross, he, he died for the sins of the world. So that's where the sins are taken away. No, no, he came as an example that we would follow in his footsteps. And we've said this multiple times. And when you follow in his footsteps and you do what he did, then you will live a life here without sin. And it's a must. You, you must find that place in order to do it. When we look at the question of what is a sinner, okay? It's, it's pretty simple. People make it complicated, but it's pretty simple. Because I've seen people like, well, we don't sin as much, or, you know, we put sin on on levels because I've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't I don't sin like they do. And here's how you can know if you're a sinner. If you know you sin, you're a sinner. What is a sinner? Someone who sins. It, it it's not about levels. It's not about well, I'm, I sin less than everybody else because I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. No. If you truly made him Lord of your life, then 
you will find a place where there is no sin because he would tell you, you can't continue to sin. Because he's the Lord, he's going to tell you exactly what you need. So if you sin, you are a sinner. And that's the one thing that people can't get away from is the guilt that they have with knowledge, which is in their conscience, that they know they sin because they have guilt. They don't have a clear conscience, not a seared conscience, because some some have a seared conscience that, well, Jesus died on the cross and he took away all the sins. No, because if that's the case, then nobody needs to have this uh, belief in him because all the sins were done away with when he died on the cross. Everybody gets in the kingdom. Whoop, there it is. And it's like, no, that's not that's not the case at all. That if you sin and you can try to convince me that you don't sin or you do, but most people in this world that claim faith in God claim that they sin. Well, all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we've spoken about that before. Yeah, all have sinned, and so have I. But just because I have sinned in the past does not give me a perpetual license to, to continue to sin after I have faith in the Son of God who came so that my sins could be forgiven first and I could have the remittance of sin. And so I'm going to bring into this the journey of the Israelites and this is something that uh, mother had uh, given to me as an understanding of the journey of the faith through the repentance, obedience, and trust. So the Israelites, when Joseph was in uh, Egypt, when Pharaoh was good, or the Pharaoh that was there knew uh, Joseph and showed him favor. His family sold themselves as a slave to Egypt. That you willfully sell yourself as a slave to Egypt. Why? Because we don't have the means to continue to live. So we sold off our properties and our uh, animals until we had nothing left to sell. And so we sold ourselves into slavery. Well, when you repent to Abba, you're selling yourself into slavery to Abba. You're not a friend of God yet. You're not a servant of God. You're a slave. And a slave must do what the master tells him to do. But the objective here isn't God's not going to go out and grab people and pull them in and make them a slave. No, your repentance to God, you're telling God, I'm a slave to you. I, I'm, I'm putting myself in this position willfully choosing to be a slave to you and your ways. Whatever you want, that's, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. It. And that's what brings the obligated perspective because you're a slave. So you're obligated to do whatever he tells you to do. Well, the Old Testament, follow the law, do what it says. Okay, well, you're a slave to the Old Testament. You have to be a slave to the Old Testament in order for you to be able to move on 
from that. And that means that when you accept to be a slave of God, that you accept to follow the Old Testament uh, absolutely perfectly to the best of your ability. Now, doing that is not going to to, uh, earn you salvation. It just gives you the place of being in Egypt where you've sold yourself as a slave. You're obligated to live the law. Well, when you, uh, when you walk in the slavery in doing what the master tells you to do to the best of your ability, when the master sees that you are giving your best effort, then God says, okay, now I'm going to take you out of Egypt, out of the slavery to being under the law, and I'm going to take you into the desert to my son. Because your walk in the desert is with the Son of God. Why did they spend 40 years in the desert? Because they had to, God was testing their obedience. So the first step is your slavery to God in repentance. Then you're released. God gives you the exodus out of that into the desert. But in the desert, you still have your sin. You haven't entered the promised land yet. And so the objective goal is that when you're in the desert, you're proving to God that now, though I was a slave to you in Egypt, now I want to do these things that you have professed. Uh, I believe, I've tasted, I've seen that you are good and right and fair. And so now I do these things not out of obligation anymore but I do them because I truthfully, willfully want to do what you want and how you want it to be done. And then, so you spend however much time it takes for you in the desert. And as long as you are uh, moving in God's direction, then they will sustain you however long it is, whether it be three years, 17 years, or 40 years before you get that entering into the promised land. But God, you know, not a sandal on their foot for 40 years. You name me one person who's got a pair of shoes that they have that they had 40 years ago. If if you do, then they're probably in a museum case somewhere uh, and not in the same condition they were when they first uh, had them. So... You move from the, you sell yourself as a slave to Abba. And because you're a slave, you don't know. You're just, uh, you're doing it because you're obligated because, well, this is the path to salvation and I want to be saved. So I'm going to do, I'm going to follow these things. But I have to know that because I I do my best to follow what God's uh, law says, I'm not capable of doing that, but I'm capable in my mind of doing it to the absolute best of my ability. And when I fail, I offer sacrifice to God. And then I go back and I do it again. So now we've moved from Egypt. We've been removed from that slavery. Now you're proving to God in the desert that you're going to obey them. Because that's what their testing in the desert was for. I tested you 40 years for what? To see if you obeyed. And those that obeyed 
were allowed to go in to the promised land, and those who disobeyed perished in the desert. And so then you have the crossing over the Jordan. When you've proved to God that you're going to be obedient, now you get to cross over to the Jordan, the crossing over through the floodwaters that you cannot, that it's an impossibility for you to do on your own. So that's the grace of God that says, okay, now I'm going to lead you to this other side and I'm going to stop the floodwaters. I'm going to do the miracle in order that you can cross over, which is the circumcision of the heart. And when you have that circumcision of the heart, you've crossed over to the other side. Now, the cleanup of the sinful nature, you've crossed over from not being able to control your subconscious to now you can control your subconscious from an aspect of sin that now the cleanup, the battle, the fight to take over the land, now you're cleaning out the lower conscience. That, And in order to do that, in order for them to take over that land, the biggest aspect they had to have was trust. Trust that God was going to do what they said they were going to do, provided that you did what God said in accordance with the way they said it. Just like they told Moses, when you make the tabernacle, make sure you make it to the, the plans that we had given you on the mountain. And so, and that was just something uh, a couple of days ago that just kind of dawned on me. I listened to the aspect of uh, the Exodus, and Mother was like, "See this." And so, and each story has multiple layers to it. And it's like a, an onion that you just keep peeling and peeling and peeling. There's more layers. But this is just a beautiful aspect to understand of what we talk about, the immersions of repentance, obedience, and trust that you have, you must walk through all of those steps. And when you get to the, the uh, trust part, you've crossed over into the land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And in that land, as long as you continue to obey God and do what they uh, what they require of you, then you're fine. You get to live in the land of milk and honey, and you, so you live in that land of no sin while you live there. But if you disobey God, then then you will be trampling the Son of God to an open shame. And therefore, you will lose your uh, inheritance that you had worked so diligently to get. And it's just beautiful to be able to see those aspects laid out from the perspective of from the perspective of the uh, selling yourself into slavery, and then going into the desert for the obedience and then see, cause what happens is, is you sell yourself as a slave. So it's obligated. Then in the desert, you become obedient, which makes you then a servant of God. And then when you move over to the promised land, then you become a son or a daughter of God.
And so just that was just a, a aspect that had come back to mind when we were sitting here talking, and uh, I just thought I'd bring that out as an aspect for people to see the, well, that's one, the, the depth of what the word says, but also the aspect that, yes, you will be in sin and you will be a slave to sin. Then you, you will be still in sin, but you will have forgiveness of sin because you, you're walking in the uh, mindset of obedience. And then you have the remittance, the removal of sin, Messiah taking it away. So, and that goes in line with when well, Messiah came to forgive sins and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. And so when you carry it to completion, then it's, it's a full concept and aspect of that uh, repentance, obedience, and trust. I was just, I was waiting for you to, to finish what mother gave you. Cause I had just some, and, and you may have gotten this, you may not have spoken of it, but it just gives further clarification for the gospel message and the baptism. Cause here's what, what uh, along with what you were saying, what mother was bringing out that think about when they went from, because they sold themselves as slaves and then they get to the red sea and the sea parts and they go through the water to get to the other side. And I thought about the baptism of water, which is for repentance. So it makes sense. That's why the water, but when you get in the desert, it's the baptism of fire because remember in the desert, what happened to those who disobeyed, they were bitten by the snakes, which is a picture of the enemy. And how do you get away from being bitten as you look to the snake on the pole or not the, or like the pole that was in the desert to where you look at it, meaning look at Messiah, my son, so that you can get away from the snakes and then crossing the Jordan is another crossing of water. So it just made me think of the one baptism is it's the one immersion into all three and water is just a symbol of the cleansing that you must be baptized because we have that there's no reason. I mean, there is a reason, but there that's why, why y'all put it, in place with why would you have crossing through the water and then crossing through the water again? And then when you get to the other side, that's when you can start working in the land and really seeing the lower conscience and things. So it just, it's speaking to me of, it just gives more detail and more understanding that Yah knows what they're doing. And once the veil is lifted, you can, we can look back and see, can you see in the old Testament how this is giving a picture? Because look at Messiah's work. He's out in the desert. He's got the vipers all around. And those that look to him are going to be saved like, you know, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Well, what is the wrath about? The wrath is about sin. So the wrath of God is coming. So repent and find the fullness of faith so you don't have to face the wrath of God because the wrath of God is going to come from all the unrighteousness, you know, because it says in the word that that when Messiah returns, that he's going to destroy with his mouth those who did not love the truth but loved lawlessness and didn't like righteousness. So this whole thing of, you know, yes, on a journey you will sin, but if you claim to be a sinner, just like, well, we're all sinners, especially the self-righteous, well, that's what self-righteousness is about, that you're trying to bring about your own righteousness by works of the law. And no, that doesn't bring righteousness. That just shows you that you're unrighteous and you, you know, figure out a place to get to where you are righteous, just like Yeshua did. And the beauty of this is, is that 
without God, this is impossible, but with God, this is possible. So that just tells you that go to the Old Testament because the Old Testament walks you through until you get to Messiah, which is the new covenant. And what does Yah say about the new covenant? This is the new covenant that I will bring about in those days. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will people say, know the Lord. For all shall experience me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Well, how is that possible? Well, circumcision of the heart. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. There's no more sin. There's, And you can help with this, Phil, because I think you brought this scripture up. Um, I was thinking about this this morning. There's some kind of scripture that was talking about and it may come to mind. I'm just thinking it was about this in regards to you, something about like you can, you can point out something, but you don't um, hold it against the person. Do you know it was something with this, something Messiah said to where you can, um, you remember it, but you don't bring it out in a way of like maliciousness. And maybe it's something that we'll remember, but it was something to do with that, that it was a statement that he made, that um or maybe we get into that later but it was something in regards to this i just cannot remember what it was i don't know if you have something something like you you remember but you don't hold it against the person um i'm not recalling it right now but um, you, we, we'll just, probably get it right when we get off the bike well i say we just do what uh it, it's because it's not coming, coming to, to mind, mind. That's true. and we just let it go because i uh, if mother wants it to come out then one or both of us will will get that so it's, it's not a it's not a big deal and it's interesting because when you're talking about the uh, crossovers there throughout the old testament <clears throat> there were three aspects of of uh baptism through water that had been represented uh from uh the beginning to the uh, crossing over the jordan um and each one was done in such a way that it was an impossibility for the people themselves to be saved or cross over. Uh, and so we go back to Noah and his sons and their wives that they were immersed into the floodwaters in the boat they had the crossing over from death to life because of the one righteous one, which was uh, Noah, the representation of Messiah, the one righteous one. And then, so you have the first one, the, the baptism of repentance. Then we move up to Moses when Moses takes them across the Red Sea. And again, you know, like Noah, the only way they could be sustained on the water for as long as they were was the fact that God, God took care of them. God guided them, and they, God made sure that they were going to be okay, not just uh, the humans there, but also the animals involved with it. And then we come down to uh, Moses, who then, you know, they get in this place where death is imminent because the Egyptians are coming and we're going to die. Why did they bring us out in the desert to die? And 
then God does another miracle by parting the Red Sea, allowing them to pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. And then once they crossed over, their enemies were destroyed in the sea. Uh, And then we have the, we move up to uh, Joshua and Joshua's crossing of the Jordan. And if you remember, the crossing of the Jordan took place at flood stage. And I mean, you look at a, a flooded river and it's raging, especially a large river. You're not crossing over that. You're going to get swept downstream, no question about it. And yet, that was the third crossing over, the third representation of the baptisms that we've talked about. So that once you've crossed your uh, the flood, and you've crossed the Red Sea, and you've crossed the Jordan, now you have the full immersion of baptism of the repentance, the obedience, and the trust, and each step puts you in that position that you repent, then you walk it to obey, which is God bringing you to Messiah, and then you trust, which is Messiah crossing you over to allow you to have that uh, entrance into the land and we get to enjoy the milk and honey in the land of living in this life, being set apart, being holy as God is holy, being in the world but not of the world, which means we do not sin. And it's not the fact that I'm sitting here saying, nope, nope, I don't sin, I don't sin, I don't sin. No, I'm not searing myself. It's because just as the Bible says, I have a clear conscience. I clearly with knowledge, because of what God has done, what Messiah has done, and what God has taught us, with knowledge, I understand I don't sin, and therefore, I have no guilt. And so that is a key factor. When you find that you're truly in a place where you're not writing it off and you find your place of no guilt, that's when you know that you don't have sin in your life. And that's part of circumcision of the heart. And even the Bible talks about the circumcision of the heart, that it's a removal of the sinful nature Well, if your nature is to sin and that nature has been removed, then you no longer have the ability to sin because that's not your nature. You don't have the ability to be a dog if you're a human because you have human nature. The only way that you could be something different would be for you to take on the nature of a dog or a pig, or a cow, or a deer, or whatever animal it is, when you take on their nature, now you will no longer be a human, but you will be a dog. But you have to actually have that nature. You know, I mean, you see things like the Jungle Book, where the human was raised by animals, and uh, it's like they're still a human. They still have the instincts of a human. They're not 
they haven't had their nature removed, though they, you know, in essence from those fairy tale books that they've been raised in like by wolves or by uh, animals. But the reality is, is you still have the nature of a person, which means you have the ability to reason. So if you became a dog, you would no longer be able to reason, you, you, you know, just like unreasoning animals. And so it's just really interesting that just to be able to see that even through the whole Bible, this whole concept of what we've been talking about of the immersions of repentance, obedience, and trust, and the aspects of being in a place of having no sin. And it's just huge. And people need to recognize it and understand that this is a part of the faith journey. And if you have faith in God, you have true faith in God, and you have circumcision of the heart, you will have a clear conscience. And again, these aren't our words. The Bible itself talks about having a clear conscience. And that's the one thing that you may try to convince other people that you don't have guilt. And people do that all the time. They, they try to put on a front like, no, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. But you know, you know your own guilt, whether you express it or tell anybody about it, you know that you're guilty. And until you get to a place where you know you're not guilty, then you don't have true faith in God. And that's our whole purpose here is to spur people on to encourage people uh, forward to a place of having a place of no sin. But you have to be willing to walk the journey and you have to be willing to, you have to go to Abba, you have to offer yourself completely to them. And then when you do that, then you move to Messiah and then move to Mother and you go through the process to get to it. And you're going to have to spend time in the desert whether it be a year, two years, five years, 12 years, if your mind is you want the truth of God, you don't care if it takes you 150 years. As long as I get it before I leave this earth, that, that's, that's my goal and that's what I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out for as, as long as it takes because that's the mindset that you need to have in order to have the reality of living in this life without sin having a clear conscience, walking as Messiah did. Uh, it, it's just, it's a must when you claim you have faith in God. And if you don't follow that path, then you will find that you will be in a long line of people. And we want to, for us, we want to minimize that line as much as we possibly can by putting the truth of God out there and letting people dig into it to f try to discover what that truth is. Well, I was just reminded of at the very beginning of the Old Testament, Cain, why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, your lower conscience, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. So even back then, Yah was telling Cain that Sin is there, and you must master it. Why? Because if not, it's going to master you, and you're going to stay in lawlessness. 
and you have nobody to blame but yourself. And what happened to Cain? His punishment was to be a restless wanderer. Well, the punishment for sin is you're in the abyss. It's a restless wandering all over the earth that, you know, I'm going to put a mark on him so nobody can kill Cain. Well, you have that spiritual death, that second death. You're in the abyss. You're there. Nobody can kill you because you're you're there forever. So, I mean, this is all through the word even Messiah that enter by the narrow gate, you know, for broad is the way that leads to destruction, but the narrow gate is few find it. And it, it is very few. Why? Because this message that we're professing is not the broad message. This is the narrow message. This is the narrow path is this because we, we weren't hearing this message before we were given what we have now. And, um, I, I, the scripture came to me, what, what I was asking you about that love keeps no record of wrongs, which meaning that that's the thing is that with their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I'm keeping no record of it to where it, you, you know, those things have been done, but I'm not bringing it up against you because, you know, because when Yah says they're not going to remember it, it's absolute that they're not, well, what, what am I, am I bringing this up again? You know, get to a place where, yeah, there is no more sin and lawless deeds. And that, that's the point of it is get to a point where the sin is taken away from you to where now you have righteous deeds, you know, that you can have relationship with God. And that's the thing, like the word says about, let's have this relationship with Yah fully pleasing them. Well, the fully pleasing them is, yeah, it does please them that you're walking in repentance, but the fully pleasing, getting to the point where you have no sin, so there is no more division uh, between the two. But yeah, Phil, this is, we <laughs> mother, as she always does, gives us insight, revelation, understanding, questions. Um, but this is huge because, I mean, this is not in, in, in the world. This isn't being taught, but, but Yah is teaching this. Um, you know, speaking to people through us. And this is a huge concept to get a hold of. And like we said, look these things up in the word and you'll see that the things that are being spoken are true. But the only way for you to know that they're true is that you've got to discover it for yourself. And I just encourage those that are out there to really seek after this and discover it so that you can know it and not just look at this as we're just lecturing or telling you, but you can actually discover it for yourself. That's the main thing. Right. And people have to get away from wanting to hear what their itching ears want to hear. They want it to feel good. And there's a time in faith when it feels good. But there's also a time in faith when it's a struggle and it's very difficult. Why? Because you have to go into your desert in order to prove to God that you're going to obey them no matter what. When you prove that, then you will find this place. And you had said that um, that this is not being taught in the world. Well, not predominantly, but the truth of God uh, cannot be silenced. Uh, it can only be ignored. And therefore, you know, just by what we're doing here with the podcast is it's out in the world. And it's really up to each individual to take the truth that's being said and weigh it against what the Bible says, weigh it against uh, your conversation with God and what God tells you about it. Make sure that you can know their voices so you can distinguish between whether it's the voice of the enemy or the voice of God that's speaking to you and seek it out to discover it for yourself. Again, like we've said, don't just 
listen and agree that, yeah, that sounds good. No, that, that is not at all what we advocate. What we advocate is that you would seek this out with all of your heart and let God teach you the truth. Don't just take our word for it, but look for the scriptures and look at it to decide, you know, weigh all the pros and cons, not according to what people say, but what God says, and you will discover that what we're saying is true, and it will help you to move on to having that seal of salvation, that you will live uh, eternal. As you live eternal, you can live in the eternal mindset as you're here without sin. And so as we look at this, repentance, sin is, if you sin, if you can say, I sinned, I just sinned, then you don't have the fullness of faith. And I'm not going to say you don't have faith because we know when we've talked about that on the journey that you had in the desert, I mean, in not in the desert, in the, uh, yeah, in the desert, when you're proving your obedience to God, you have the forgiveness of sins, but you haven't had them taken away yet. And so, yes, you will sin until circumcision of the heart. But if you can say, well, I sin, or I know I sin, and you have that guilt in your conscience, then you haven't made it far enough yet. So you have to keep pushing forward, have to work in proving your obedience to God. And when you do, then you will find that place of not having sin. And if you sin, repent of sin, not individual sins. Repentance is not for individual sins. It's a turn towards God, which means I'm not sinning at all. That's my mindset. My circumcision of the heart is when I set my mind, I'm not going to sin, and then I do by my very best ability whatever it takes to not do those things. And when I fall to them, when I do them, then I go through the process of, no, I said, I don't agree with this. I'm not going to do it. And you just continue to do that to prove your obedience to God. Because by doing that, it's not going to earn you the uh, grace of God because the grace of God is a gift, but there is work that you have to do. Uh, Some of the work is to prove that what you say is true. And when you do, when you get to that place where you've repented to God and you've had circumcision of the heart, then you will no longer have the nature to sin, which means that you will no longer have the capability to sin. The only way that you could Uh, return to sin would be for you to commit the unforgivable sin that Hebrews talks about, where you fall away from after you've gained the knowledge of truth. The fortunate thing for many people is they might think that, well, I'm not sure if I've committed that sin. Well, the fortunate thing is most people, you haven't gotten the circumcision of the heart to where you knew a sin-free life but you were making attempts to not sin. And when you figured out that you couldn't do it, you just gave up. 
Well, that's not what we're talking about. When you have the knowledge of truth, which means you will have knowledge that you don't sin, and then you turn from it, you fall away from it, then there will be nothing left but a fearful expectation of fire and judgment. Uh, so in faith, we want to continue in the journey and uh, just continue to move forward. Uh, Sean, do you have any uh, parting words as we leave for this podcast this morning? Just learning that with these podcasts, we just it's just beautiful how Mother brings out all the teaching. And I would just say that just encourage those that are listening to this that remember the um, cognitive dissonance, brainwashing, and mind control that you'll hear things that you'll your mind will take it a different way, but you have to be willing to push through and be willing to wrong, be wrong in order to be right. So just encourage everybody listening is, is that really, as we're bringing these things out to really search them out so that you can discover them. So that's all I had in regards to the podcast. All right. Well, we're going to sign off for this morning and hope that everybody has a very good day and a good week and we will be back on tuesday evening at 7 30 to see what mother's going to bring to us and what we're going to discuss everybody have a blessed day thank you for joining us today on hidden treasures revealed we want to leave you with this thought the greatest treasure in life and especially in faith is discovery if we try to convince you of things you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.